Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. So, yeah, we have um, these books again. Leave one for me. So, I did give out like 30 of these last week already, and people were like, you didn't bring enough. So, there's 20 more. Who didn't get one last week, or who's here that wasn't last week? There's more. Um, Pass that back to Shelby. It's a book on humility. I really am encouraging everybody to read it. It's short. It's seven chapters. It's easy. Bella, I've got like five copies of my own. You can have one of my own. <laughs> I've had it for like more than 10 years. And people, I know a few other people have too. So if you're wondering if it's a new book, no, it's, it's the same book. It's just a new different cover. It's just a really old book. It's like 200 years old. And they go to print. Uh, you, you can ask for your own license to print it now because it's some kind of no publication copyright licensing on it so it's a new cover listen it's not that's not important what's important is it's seven chapters short chapters and it's on humility and um it's always been important but I feel like never more than ever is it is it is important right now to be people who understand the humility of Jesus Christ and that we ourselves walk in that same humility humility is not weakness humility is not cowering in the corner and by the way humility is not standing really still and not worshiping humility is you know who God is you know who you are and you know what you've been told to do on the earth and you just go do it bold as a lion yet gentleness and tender as Jesus. It's both. And that book has got some really great information that can help you with that. Just back on to worship there for a moment. I don't know, I'm not going to ask for people to raise their hands, but I easily know across this room in American church, and I'm Australian if people are wondering, I know not in Australian church so much because it's just different, but in the American church, a lot of people in the American church have been told it's a sin to dance in church. I don't know if that's you, if that's your story, and you're like, like, like recovering Baptocostal. <laughs> I don't know, but I do know this. That's an absolute lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. There's dancings all through the Bible. Dancings in the book of Revelation. Angels are dancing before the throne right now. They can't help themselves but move because dance is part, movement and dance is part of our worship. Um, uh, I love John Paul Jackson as a prophet who's now in heaven, right? He said this, he goes, he goes, um, he goes even to fall on your face before the Lord is movement, which is a type of dance, <laughs> right? And so movement, dance itself is movement. And when we really dance and get very free and can do it in a way that's just God honoring, it becomes something prophetic and speaks something into your life or to the people around about you that might be looking and seeing what you're doing and, and speaking and declaring God's goodness, the freedom that you walk in and the freedom that they can have, but also prophetically declaring things that you might not even even know is happening in the atmosphere, you're just moving with the spirit, right? A tuning fork. What, is, what happens to a tuning fork? Doesn't it just catch the vibrations in the air that's happening? Our lives are meant to be like a tuning fork like that and we just catch the movement of the spirit. And so if we're free and with the spirit of the Lord, is, there is freedom, we'll move, we'll dance, we'll sing, we'll raise our hands. That's yield. That's the international sign of submission or yieldedness, right? <laughs> I give up. <laughs> and that's in our heart. We go, I give up, Jesus. Come have your way. <laughs> and that's why, we, that's why we get a little clappy, happy, going to dance, move your feet. Can't help it, right? This is like a beat starts happening. Who wakes up sometimes with a song in their heart? Oh, like, yeah, right? It's the same way, right? A song in your heart. You, you respond because there's a song in your heart. There's a rhythm to a song and you respond to that rhythm with dance, Right? And that's what it's about. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If he really has your heart. And I'm not saying everybody in the room needs to dance. I'm not saying that. But in your own heart and in your own worship and in your own place before the Lord, if there's real freedom and you're allowing him to go into those deep places, he will be bringing more and more and more freedom into your life. And the freedom that he brings into your life is complete freedom from the fear of man. So it doesn't matter if you can dance in time or not. It doesn't matter if you look pretty or not. You're just moving like David with all his might, danced before the Lord, stripped off his kingly garment and danced before the Lord just in a linen ephod. And his wife, religiously looking down from her window, despised him in her heart. And she became barren from that moment on. And that's a picture for you and I. 
if, if, if you are looking at someone else's worship and despising it, be careful the spiritual barrenness doesn't come into your heart on that. Right? You can't judge someone else's movement or dance or song or playing or the way they lead worship or the way they might sing next to you. Be careful. Don't judge that. Because their freedom should be something that is an invitation into your freedom, that you are given greater invitation into greater freedom, right? That person's freedom next to you and their song or their, however, they're, they're beautifully expressing their love to the Lord. Don't judge that. The beautiful expression of their heart to the Lord. That's what David was doing. So let's not, let's not in our hearts ever look at someone else and go, what are they doing? I don't really want to do that. That looks a bit crazy. Or, or, or the religious side of it. Dancing is sinful. That's a religious lie. Came from the Enlightenment period. Intellect and logic and rationalization and the lack of emotion. That if you were emotional, you were not intelligent. And, and, and women who were thought of not as intelligent were put down as illogical, irrational beings. That's why they get emotional and cry. That was literally something that came to us from the emotional, from the enlightenment period. And with it, some of the theology, Christians shouldn't dance, it's unholy. So solemn and quiet, we're going to sit quiet, quiet. Quiet's holy, don't you know? Not in heaven. (laughs) In heaven, it's really loud. There's trumpets and there's every kind of loud shofar horn, and there's ant- angels that can sing from one side to the other, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Loud, thunderous, so much that every other angel in the place is put onto their face as they also join the heavenly choir, singing holy, holy, holy. Do you understand? We're meant to raise our voices. We're meant to sing and declare. We're meant to move and clap and sing and dance and be very free. In the freedom, there is great joy. And the Lord said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Jesus came and was anointed with joy. And he wants to give it to us. We have to accept it. It's as simple as accepting it. Faith just goes, you want to give me that? Okay, I'll take it. Actually, so, oh, can we, I did this last week. It's so basic, but I just want to help someone. If Jess is going to just stand here. I'm just, I did this last week and I just want to get this into your hearts. If I am holding $1,000 in my hand, which is an iPhone, right? This is how much this one cost. If I am holding an iPhone in my hand, and I, oh, sorry, $1,000 in my hand, $1,000, and I say, hi, Jess, how are you doing today? Would you like $1,000? Sure. She's just going to go, yes, please, and run away like it's hers and not ask me another question. It's hers. Well, that's the same, thanks. That's the same with the Holy Spirit and everything that he wants to give us. It's the same with the joy that God wants to give us. The same with the freedom that God wants to give us. He's just standing there saying, would you please just accept my gift? Would you please just take this? I want to give this to you. I want to give myself to you. I want to make myself known to you. I'm waiting at the door. Would you just say yes? Would you open it? Some haven't yet opened. Or some stand across one foot across the threshold, right? He's just saying, would you open it? Would you open the door? Would you say yes? Would you say yes? Would you just take what I have for you. Religion has taught us to say no, or religion has taught us to put the blinders on, and religion has taught us to limit ourselves. God never limits you. Doctrines of demons limit you. That's religion. Limit you. Sometimes our own failure and our own weakness limit us. God never does. God never does. God does not limit you. God does not think badly of you. He does not think you've done bad things. He's not like trying to sit there and remind you of your yesterday or your past. He's not trying to sit there and go, remember when you did this? Oh, yeah, sit under that shame. That's the work of the devil. God is good. God is absolutely good. A.W. Tozer said that um, the most important thing about a man is what comes into his mind when he thinks about God. I'll say it again. The most important thing about a man is what comes into his mind when he thinks about God. And I think you all understand that, right? 
Because I think we, we all think about God. We all think about thoughts about God. It doesn't matter where we are in the, in the spectrum of relationship with him, right? We all think about God. Is there a God? If he's real, does he love me? Can he love me? Does, is he really the God that they say? Is he as good? Is he, can he really heal me? Uh, is the Bible as true today as it was 2,000 years ago? Like there's all of these kinds of questions. And God's just saying, get past the questions. Get past the doubt. Get past the resistance in your heart. Get past the religious lies. Get past your own failure and the mistakes you've made because he's not holding them against you. Get past all of that stuff so you can just walk into his heart and allow him to embrace you. Allow him to show you the love that he has for you. Allow him to reveal his goodness to you more and more and more and more of his goodness. In Ephesians in chapter 3 and then in 2 Peter I'm not sure what chapter or verse. There's a word that's used for the um, many-sided or many-varied, like a a diamond ring, multifaceted, right? The multifaceted wisdom of God. He wants to bring you into himself so that he can reveal every side of his face like a diamond ring, the many, many facets, each new side, each new piece of his heart, each new piece of revelation, all of the secrets of the kingdom, all of the mysteries. He wants to make them known to you and speak them into your heart and have you be someone who just gets up every day and go, here we go again. This is the best journey I've ever been on. (laughs) Like adventure of a lifetime with you, Father. And he wants to bring you into that place where you're receiving that many-sided wisdom of God. The many, it's called many multicolored because there's colors in it. Many, many-sided wisdom. The much, much wisdom, much, much mystery, like immeasurable amounts of his heart, immeasurable amounts of revelation, like to blow you up and like incomprehensible. It's, it's, he's the incomprehensible, right? The incomprehensible God wants your heart to know him. I'm so not even speaking on my notes, which is completely fine, by the way. We're just going to pray, all right? Um, if I can do it without crying. <laughs> just feel him. I feel him. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're here. Thank you, incomprehensible one, irresistible one. Most beautiful one. We just hand this meeting, it's already been yours, but we just even hand this portion over to you. I do pray that the things I say would just so glorify and honor your heart. But I pray for receptive hearts. I pray for really receptive hearts that there'd be a deep work done. And only you know each person's heart, you know the work that needs to be done. And God, thank you. You're so gentle and kind to do it. You're gentle with us. So thank you, God. Thank you, God. So, this incomprehensible one wants to be your best friend. Last week I began um, talking about what I'm going to just touch on again here today. And it was um, prophecy, prophets, the prophetic priesthood and the prophetic process in us. But how we do it is to be God's friend. Like becoming God's friend and going deeper with him day after day. Actually, moment by moment, you can go deeper with him, right? Moment by moment, we can go deeper with him and get to know him in greater, like ever-increasing ways. Probably in my 20s, I was about 23 or 24, I heard someone say this in a pulpit, and I've prayed it almost every day, at least every week since. It's, Lord, I want to fall more in love with you today than I was yesterday. And he's going to answer that prayer. Because that's so in line with his heart and his desire for you, right? Lord, I want to fall more in love with you today than I was yesterday. You can pray that, that simply. And no, he answers that because he said the greatest of anything at all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that is the greatest. If you can do that, if you can get that right, you fulfill all of the law and the prophets. Like all of the Old Testament stuff. All those rules and regulations actually really fulfilled by our ability to love God with everything and love the person in front of us and people around about us and our nation and the nations with the same love that God's given to us, right? He's a good God. He's a good father. He's a good father. Do this. Um, 
Open up to Amos 3.7. I used these scriptures last week. I just spoke them out, though they weren't really in my notes to write them down. I'd like you to write them down. Um, maybe if you're taking notes or even highlight it in your Bible because it's really important. This is, this is who you are to God. Amos 3.7 says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan, or plans, plural, to his servants, the prophets. In the Old Testament, they, had, they actually had thousands and thousands of prophets. We only hear about the really famous ones. Um, they had prophets in every small town, and they had companies of prophets in every small town, and in the bigger cities they had these. They were very intentional to train up prophets and scribes and people who could sing prophetically and everything. So that being said... Amos 4.13, next chapter. God, it says, he, God, who forms the mountains, who creates the wind and who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord Almighty is his name. But part of that verse that I just read says all of the things about his goodness and his amazing power and he walks on, treads upon mountains and his Lord, his name is Almighty, but also just says here, he reveals his thoughts to mankind. So that God who created everything, who is bigger than we can imagine, bigger than we can fathom, I've already said the incomprehensible one, he is altogether lovely, altogether beautiful and irresistible and something that we in our finite human mind cannot at all ever on this earth get to know in, in, in his fullness. We are to be becoming like him. We are to be learning and growing and going deeper. But we, we, we scratch the surface here on earth, right? But that one wants to be your friend, a close friend, personal friend. That one wants to reveal his thoughts to your heart, like directly into your heart. The thing about the Old Testament was they were in the Old Covenant system from Moses instituted the Old Covenant uh, and it was great. It, was, it served its need. But they were servants. They were called servants of the Most High God. They were, st- and, and we do too, we serve him, right? Jesus himself is the great servant. So I'm not saying we stop serving now in the New Covenant. We do. We actually serve greater, more. Uh, but, but the Old Covenant system, people were so distant from God. And Holy Spirit would come and then have to leave. And then come and then have to leave. Because he couldn't stay with the people, right? In the New Testament... Jesus, by the new covenant, set up the system for us now to be fully reinstated to that same situation that Adam had in the garden. Sameness, walking with God in the cool of the day, no separation in our heart, no distance between us, right? Literally no distance between you and God's heart. We put the distance there because we don't trust his word. We put the distance there because we've listened to some religious lies and believed them and made them our own. And so we've created distance between our heart and God's heart. And that is never his will for our life. We did that. And sometimes unknowingly, sometimes knowingly, he wants us to let all of that go. Because in John 15, 15, I said this again last week, John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants, I now call you friends. I now call you my friend. And that was why Jesus came. The thing about Christianity The easiest thing to define it, all of Christianity can be defined as accepting the friendship of Jesus Christ. That's the easiest way to define it. And it actually takes all of the religious ways or the the trying to find the right doctrine and the right piece of theology to try and define it. The best way to define it is accepting the friendship of Jesus Christ, who is the King of Heaven. The creator, he was right there at creation with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They were all there, there, doing it, working together in unity, oneness, wholeness together, completeness together. And, And he's the one who says, I want to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. I'm going to pull open my Bible here because I don't have it in my notes. John 14, turn to John 14. John 14, 
John 14, verse 15. And I, I kind of alluded to this last week, one of the scriptures here, but I'm going to read a few scriptures. 15. If you love, for, John 14, 15, that is. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. He will help you, and he will be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. Okay, skip to verse 18. Jesus is still speaking. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Skip down to verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, this is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too, with the Father, will love them and show myself to them. Verse 23. Whoever loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. He is looking for you to say yes to him coming and inhabiting your life in a way that is going to blow your mind. The incomprehensible one coming and settling down into your heart, settling down into your life. And he's not looking for you to start trying to repent your way out of things or be better or clean yourself up so that you can receive him as this one. He's just looking for you, yes. He's looking for you to accept what Jesus wants for you, which is friendship. He's just like saying, just say yes to me. Just say yes to me. I've got everything else that you're concerned about. I've got all the things in your past and we can walk through that stuff and I can process it out and I can heal you of it all, but you just have to say yes. He's so kind. He's so loving and he's so gentle. And as we say yes, we discover that gentleness. It just takes yes. It just takes you saying yes. The faith says yes. Faith, like at the phone, I had Jess send up, would you like a thousand dollars? And just Jess is like, yes, I'll take a thousand, and she'll take off running. The yes is the same from you. You have to say, yes, Jesus, I want you. You're the most important. You're the one I'm going to value over everything, and I give you everything. I surrender everything. I yield everything. I'm going to devote to you. There's no one like you. Why would I not? Your yes to him. Read back into verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. His command, the greatest command, I said it, is the Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's the command. Whoever keeps my commands, sorry, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Show, the Greek word there is emphanizo. Emphanizo means to come into your world and literally stand before you and appear before you in undeniable way with giving even proofs and manifesting himself to you. Right? Sorry, I'm standing. Okay. <laughs> It like literally appear to you and say, Jess, <laughs> like sometimes in the middle of the night, wake up to pray or, or just in the middle of your day. Maybe it's in a shopping center, but it's to make himself known. People struggle with this because, because we can talk about, I know, because I, know, I do, right? I see in the spirit, so I don't see all the time, but I can see often. And usually for me, God connects it to the ministry that I'm doing. So if it's prayer ministry or something happening in worship, right? And so I can see sometimes angels moving or Jesus moving through the crowd, laying hands on people, which is awesome. I love that. I can talk about that and someone else who doesn't see might discount themselves and go, well, I don't see like that. So he doesn't want to manifest himself to me. That's just another way we discount ourselves, and we shouldn't do it because God has made you uniquely you, like beautifully and amazingly uniquely you, and he wants to make himself known in a unique way to you because I have three kids, right? My three kids are like, they have such different personalities, and I know I actually speak to all three of them a bit differently because I know what they respond to. I know what they don't respond to. I know, I know 
I know the parts of their personality that I can speak to to encourage and get them to be motivated, right? And I'm just a mum on the earth. Well, the Heavenly Father knows everything about you. And he knows what you respond to. He knows what you love. He knows what you don't like. He knows your desires and your things he's put into your heart. He knows how you will respond to his heart. He knows how he needs to speak to you to get your attention. He knows how you'll capture revelation. Does that make sense? And so don't listen. Someone might come up here with a prophetic word. Like, like, you know, we have a few people that do it very, very regularly. And that's awesome. And it'll always be the case. But then we have like a child come up and just go, oh, we in worship? What, what, was the, what, what did he say? Where's, oh, his mum's gone. What did, what did the little boy say? Yeah. yeah. Actually, do this. Say it. Uh, when we worship, God collects all that love and then he takes that and spreads it out again. I actually got her to do that because where I was sitting, I couldn't really hear him say it. <laughs> so I did that for the benefit of everybody else. <laughs> God collects all of our worship. He collects it. Actually, that's biblical. And this little kid doesn't even know it, right? Literally, our praise goes up like a fragrance before the Lord and he just smells it and collects it into his, like that, that's scriptural. <laughs> so he collects our worship, right? But, but a child, like a child who can capture revelation and act on it real quick because they're unafraid. Clayton said they're unafraid, right? God does not want you to be afraid of any other person or the, afraid of any other opinion. In fact, prophet after prophet in the Old Testament, you can read, he goes, do not be afraid of their faces. Do not back down when I tell you something. Go do it. Do not be fearful of the people's opinion. Tell them what I'm telling you to say because if you don't, by the way, and it's a warning, I hold you accountable. <laughs> right? He literally again and again and again, would just warn his people and say, you have to get up and just go do this. You have to get up and go tell them my words. You have to go and tell them what you're seeing. So he did that with the Old, prophets, the Old Testament prophets, right? But he wants to do that through your life every single day. He wants to have a conversation with you every day. So we're talking about the King of Heaven. Why would we limit him? Or, or, or limit his ability to speak to you every single day, on, especially on things that matter to you. Like especially on things that matter to you. He wants to inform you in, of his heart and his plans and what your purpose is in his plans. And he is the one who wants to take the initiative for you to listen, for you to obey and give you all the empowerment to do it. All of the empowerment to get up and run. He asks us to do things, but he does not do, ask us to do anything without giving us the empowerment by the Holy Spirit to do it. One of the words for empowerment by the Holy Spirit is energio, a Greek word, energize. To be energized. So filled with the Holy Spirit, you are energized to just get up and run and do it. And we do this because he's a good God. He's a good father. He's a very, very good father. The world is not. The world is a bit broken. A lot broken. It's a lot broken. <laughs> the world is broken. Sin broke it. The first sin was Satan. Sin was found in your heart. He was booted out of heaven. He lost his third heaven, that high place, right? He just operates in the second heaven and on this earth realm only. He can't now accuse your heart before the father. Because he lost that place. The cross of Christ demolished that. Obliterated his ability to go before the Father, accusing you or accusing your heart, right? And you can read in Job, um, Satan comes along to the Father and says, oh, what about your friend Job? And God goes, what about my friend Job? What do you think? Yeah, do do whatever you like. He's still going to love me, which is quite an amazing story, the book of Job. But Satan was able to go before the Father and accuse Job at that point. Because Jesus hadn't yet died and destroyed his power in that ability for him to go before the Father and accuse you. Do you understand? The point of the cross and the blood of Jesus being shed on the cross was that it obliterated, like completely demolished the power of the enemy over your life, over his ability to accuse you of sin, over his ability to keep you in bondage, to keep you chained to your past, to keep you chained sometimes to your parents' past or their parents' past. Everything that we suffer here on the earth is a result of sin, is a result of the enemy. He hates us. 
and he rages and roars against the enemy. Daniel 7.25 says this. He, seek, he roams back and forth through the earth to see who he can devour. And he seeks to rage and roar and yell at believers to get them to sit down and be quiet and not run in their purposes. But Daniel could see to when Jesus would come into the earth prophetically. And we are now that generation who now have a roar inside us that can literally can silence the enemy, silence the fear, silence the lies, silence the pain, repent of things. Our voice has power. Our voice has power, but our voice has even more power when we've really done the work to become a friend of God and say yes to all that he's saying. And then we carry his words. We carry his words, and that's what being prophetic is. We carry his words, and we speak and declare them into situations all around us. We speak them into our family, into our workplace here at church, as we're praying, maybe for, we're praying for a nation, but we're speaking into the atmosphere. The roar inside you, when they are God's words, changes atmospheres. I've seen that happen in the spirit. I've seen spiritual atmospheres literally change because a few people got together. Handfuls only. doesn't take a lot. Just a couple. A handful of people getting together and saying, yes, we are going to worship the Lord and give everything that we have to him and stand here and declare his glories, declare his honor, say that he's a good God because he is good and he never stops being good. He's absolutely good in everything that he does. And when we can be people who just stand, right? Actually, the Bible says, do all you can to stand. And then when you've done everything you can stand, just keep standing. <laughs> so, what that's speaking to is sometimes we do get a little bit weary. But we have the Holy Spirit on the inside. And he's the one who stands us up. And in fact, in John 4, Jesus was, um, met the woman at the well. And he said to the disciples right before that, Go into the village. I'm too tired and I, I need food and I can't walk any further because I'm so tired. He sent his disciples into, this, into the little village. Bring back some food. Sychar is the name of the village. He sent them in. And meantime, a woman walks out on her own, which is very unusual, walks out and sits, you know, starts to get her water. And he ministers to the woman, like saves her, sets her free, ministers to the woman and then his disciples come back and go, oh, here's the food. And he goes, oh, I'm not hungry anymore. Because <laughs> he goes, my food is to do the will of the Father. Like my food was to do the will of the Father. So Jesus was standing. And like you and I, he got weary because he was at that time, you know, that physical human body. He's felt everything we feel in that sense, the weariness, the tiredness. But he still stood. And he still did that ministry moment to that woman and then was able to turn around to his disciples who brought him food saying, I'm not even hungry anymore because my will is to do, sorry, my food, my food is to do the will of the Father. And what is food? It's the word of God. Whether it's scripture that we're reading or the prophetic words of God that he just wants to drop into your heart and then have you speak out of your mouth or have you act it out. Our food is to do the will of the Father. He's really good. His friendship is beyond anything that you can ever imagine. I know in this room, there's like, enough adults here. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 52 years young. Where are you? young 52 years young <laughs> she corrected me earlier and I was like yes I'm gonna own that I'm not 52 years old I'm 52 years young <laughs> so, eternally young we're all eternally young in heaven right um I just lost my chat my ch <laughs> why was I saying that I was saying that for this reason I do want to talk to you Jesus did say there would be people who think that they were serving him, thought that they'd be serving him, servants doing all the right things, ticking all the right boxes, maybe tithing every Sunday, maybe, maybe standing on, you know, maybe they're coming into church and serving in church and doing all the churchy things. But he says this in Matthew 5. Sorry, it's Matthew 7. Matthew uh, uh, 5, 6, 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, all of those chapters. So this is part, this is right, right, right towards the end of it. 
Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? They're doing the stuff, right? A lot of people can do the stuff and fake it in front of the other humans, but not before God, right? Can't fake anything before God. Jesus keeps saying, then he says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I know I have to drop that scripture in here because I, I think I've, I've been a pastor since I was about 26, 27. And I know there were in those earlier years doing that, you, I got tired and I was moving through the motions. I was doing a few things by, by rote because you just, life, there's no excuse for it. I did repent. But I know there's a lot of people like me, whether they're ministry leaders, church leaders, or just people, you don't have, have to be a leader in that sense, but many, many believers who just walk around doing the stuff and looking good and looking right and playing the part, but all they're doing is that they've sat themselves into a religious system so they can tick boxes. And Jesus is literally knocking on that heart saying, I want you to know me. I want you to know the King of heaven. I want you to know my heart in a way where you are so confidently, confidently bold and can get up and go do the things I want you to do. You won't back down. You won't sit down. You won't be silenced. I need ministers in the earth who will get up and run with me and not just pretend to do the religious things. I need people who really will love me. And if that means dying for me, doing that too. It's so unpopular in America to say that. And we want to be rescued out of our stuff instead of realizing majority world, rest of the majority world, have faced persecution and, and uh, the most heinous, horrible, uh, violent, brutal things done against Christians for these 2,000 years and just in the last 100 years, more martyrs for Christ in the last 100 years than all of the other centuries put together. And so even if we lose this life, and Paul said it, didn't he? He said, he, said, he said, it is actually far better for me to stay with you here, but if I go to be with Christ, oh my gosh, so much better for me. <laughs> he, was, he literally was like, I really, really want to be up there, but it's actually better for you if I'm here ministering. Because his words brought truth and his words brought change and his words brought healing and his words really, we read them today, right? God made them, inscripturated them, Right? But this one, this is a short life. He wants you to be so well acquainted with his heart. I said last week that if you know the money counterfeiters, they know money, that they can handle the money and know the money so well. They study the real thing. They don't study all the fakes and the counterfeits. They just study the real thing so, so well. And so they're in that world of counterfeit currency. If they come across a false or a fake note, they just know it by the touch and the feel or an immediate glance because little pictures and pieces and parts are out of place. It doesn't feel the same. God wants you to know his heart like that so that when every counterfeit might come along into your world... Because there's a lot of counterfeits. So that when every counterfeit comes along into your world like that, you quickly know and you quickly can sense and discern. No, that's actually not Jesus. And depending on the situation, you're not like necessarily setting a person aside because maybe the person just needs to be healed. That's not right. But other times, no, actually this person is actually working for the enemy on behalf of the enemy and spreading his doctrines of demons. Right? That's teaching for another day. <laughs> But the discernment, like to be so close to his heart, you can discern his heart, you know his heart, but you know what, you know his inhale and his exhale and you know if it's a good one or a sad one or, a, or, or one that he's feeling the human pain because he feels that human pain, he feels our pain and he feels Russian-Ukrainian pain, he feels the pain of the children right now who are being convinced into transgendering, what are you, um, um, uh, transitioning genders, having pieces and parts cut off their body. He feels that pain. He's in that mess with us. He's in that mess with us. And to every heart, he's just like, would you just turn and accept Jesus? Would you just turn and become the friend of Jesus? Like deep, like let Jesus take you day to day to day 
deeper into the heart of a father, deeper into, by the way, the embrace with the father, where you know, again, I'll say it again because it's important, his gentleness and his kindness and his compassionate love for you, his steadfast love for you, his faithfulness to you, his commitment to your life, his wanting you to walk into healing, his wanting you to be free of the things that have kept you chained, his wanting you to stand up and be strong on the earth. Literally, again, the roar in you. So the roar in you becomes his roar, and now he's got a ready army, standing army. That's what we're doing here at Seashore Church, right? Last week I said to people, uh, I hope it was received well. <laughs> I'm going to say it again anyway. <laughs> um, we never set out to build a big church, Clayton and I. We are setting out to build really big people. So write that down if you want to. That's one of the main things for our church. We are not trying to build... A big church. We are trying to build big, big people who know God and will not back down when the enemy tries to roar at them like the Daniel 7.25 verse. We're trying to build really big people who will faithfully stand and when they've done everything to stand, they keep on standing because they know the Holy Spirit, para, kletos, is standing right beside them. That's one of the Greek words for his names. Para means stand beside Kletos is together, Parakletos. He literally stands with you there and in you and with you and all around you, standing you up, filling you, energizing you, keeping you up, keeping your knees locked if you need to, right? Core strength, giving back. It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that is doing this. He's on the inside in the deepest places. And I said that last week because it, oh, last week I was answering some criticism about being political in the pulpit. People accuse me of being political in the pulpit. But I just want to say again and reiterate this. That is the false gaslight that many, even many believers have used against Christians who speak up for the truth of the word of God. If you are speaking up for the truth of the word of God, speaking truth to the lies, because that's the roar on the inside you, God has given you a roar. When you stand up and you start speaking truth to those lies, those lies get cut down and they melt away like butter. Remember I said that last week for those who were here. Truth to lies. You have a job to do on the earth and it is to carry God's words and speak what he's saying and do what he's saying on any given day in any situation. But that gets the accusation in many churches and many pulpits. Well, you're too political. Are you happy that you're emptying your church because you're too political? I'm actually, I'm not emptying my church People that really aren't for the Lord but have been watered down and convictionless because they've been trained and taught by the things of the world to believe certain things rather than the Word of God being elevated in their heart. The Word of God needs to have the highest, highest place in your heart, right? And when this is elevated in your heart and His words, His prophetic words are the things then that are coming out through you and spoken through you, it cuts through the culture, I just mentioned the transgenderism stuff, right? It's the thing, the word of God, the love of God and the word of God is the answer to that, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> Take that off. <laughs> the truth of God and the word of God are the answer for everything. The, the word of God, scripture, see, the words to you that God gives to you prophetically through revelation, it's never going to um, uh, contradict scripture. It will, however, expand your understanding of scripture. Some people would like to use scripture to uh, limit the prophetic. But the prophetic is meant to expand your wisdom, your revelation, your understanding of God. It's only meant, it's like the scriptures are given as the, this is the grid, but it's jump off point. So you can know more and more and more of God. The John 14 verse that I said, which is, um, we will come and make ourselves known to you. Emphanizo, we will come and make ourselves manifestly known to you, means 
He's going to step into your world with so much of himself that he becomes very, very real and, and the manifestation of his glory and his strength and his revelation and his words to you increases your heart and blows your heart up with the best the best kind of understanding of who he is and you start to grow in ways that you can only have hoped and dreamed about. But he wants to do this with us all, I've said. But the point of the, the show himself to you is that you would be so confident of how good he is to you. You'd be so confident with how, how good he is and wants to be shown to be good to all of the people around about you. With it, you'd be so good with the words he's putting in your heart that you'll speak them without risk thinking, uh-oh, what are they going to think of me? Is this going to empty my church today? No. He wants you to be so good with his heart for you and his love for you that comes in wave after wave after wave after wave, melting away the hard areas in our hearts so that we can be receivers of this thing called love. Love is one of his names. He is love. It's the very essence, the very nature of him is love, right? In Finizo, I will show myself. There's a Bible verse that says, um, and this is yet to happen in the earth, but my glory will cover the world, around the world, like, like what is it? I just, as the waters covers the sea. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and, and what that... Uh, Oh, I actually got the wrong Bible verse. <laughs> uh, it's a similar Bible verse, but it's about his, the knowledge of the Lord going all around the earth. It's actually really the knowledge of the Lord going around the earth. In the Greek, from the Hebrew, yada, uh, knowing him. Knowing him is the same as the Greek, knowing him by direct revelation. Direct revelation into your heart about who he is. You are confident about who he is, but there's even purpose in it, right? Because the direct revelation into your heart is, is, is manifestation, he's manifesting, he's making himself real, he's making himself known, also comes with his wisdom into your life. And so you have every bit of wisdom and strategy and understanding and every bit of knowledge that you need to go do the work that he's called you to do. Every one of us have a job to do, right? Not one person in this room can sit themselves down and say, I'm not good enough. I know that a lot of us have. Today, would you just... Decide to never do that again. Would you today to decide, I'll never discount myself. I'll never sit myself down. I'll never run away from something he's asking me to do. Because it's the Holy Spirit asking me to do it, then he's going to empower me to do it. If it's the Holy Spirit asking me and showing me and revealing the will of the Father that he wants me to run in, then I'm just going to run in it. With all of the energy that he supplies through the Holy Spirit. Right? None of us, none of us should ever ever sit down again, ever. And I get it. Like I already mentioned, Jesus got tired. He was tired when he met the woman at the well. I get, I get it. Like I was, I've been sick for a few weeks, like on and off, like battling something, sinus infection stuff. I get it. But Jesus gets it <laughs> even more. <coughs> timing is funny. Saying I've been battling something, then I cough at timing. Um, he never wants you to back down off what he's told you to do. He never wants you to sit yourself down. He never wants you to minimize yourself. He's not doing that at all with you. Would you stop doing it to yourself? Seriously, like, would you stop doing it to yourself? Stop minimizing yourself. Stop saying, use someone else who's more gifted. Stop saying, uh... You don't know what I did last year. He does, and he's still giving it to you. He, he does know what you did yesterday, and he's still wanting to burst into your today, saying, just say yes, just say yes. Loyalty to a friend. I said the Luke 10, 27 Bible verse because it's one of my favorite verses for over 30 years now. Um, it's also found in um, Deuteronomy 6. And when I connected the Luke 27 to the Deuteronomy 6, I was like, I was like, actually, I was, I was um, you know, on one of those stationary bikes. I, ha I, I worked in a rehabilitation center, like fixing necks and backs, and we just had some gym equipment. So it was my lunch hour over my Bible on a bike, <laughs> stationary bike. And so I had to do the action as if you don't know how to ride a bike. <laughs> so, I don't know why I did that. Um, um, 
I just remember, and it was clear as day because Deuteronomy 6, literally it just says, um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And in the, it was like 1994, I think, and I, and I just, I remember I just about jumped off that stationary bike and freaked out people behind me. Because I jumped off, because it was revelation hitting my heart, right? And this is how it happens sometimes. You're not really always ready for it. I jumped off my bike going, oh, my gosh, it's the same one in Luke 10, 27. Because <laughs> Luke 10, 27 is one of my favorites. And so I literally, I went, oh, my, it's been the same plan from the beginning. Yeah. The same, the Israelites were just asked to do the same thing, and they just couldn't. They just kept getting it wrong, and they kept falling into idolatry, and they kept limiting themselves, and then, or, or, you know, adding, the idolatry was the worst thing, was just the spiritual adultery. That's what idolatry is, loving something else more than you love Jesus. We do it with our phones. Actually, funnily enough, we get the word technology from a Greek word that said techni. Techni, or technio sometimes, or tech, or just tikto is another word, just they're all the same group of words. It was the word in the New Testament that Paul and other writers would say, stop following those idolaters who, who use their technology to make idols for you. It's dropping, right? So I need to repeat it. Some people were like, I'll repeat it because I really want to get this through. The technology of the day that they, were, that they were creating their idols with, fashioning idols after animals and after humans and different shapes and then putting in their homes and then worshipping. They called it the same word, technology, that we get our English word from, technology. And we idolise this stuff and it puts distance in our heart just like it put distance in them. Isn't that wild? Actually, all that does is show me how amazing God is and strategic. He's so strategic, right? He's so smart. <laughs> so, so that to say, sometimes we've got to put this aside to say yes to Jesus, right? Just peel away from the crowd or peel away from the TV just to be with him and spend time with him. Um, think about this. <clears throat> I like this. I'll finish with this. <clears throat> to be bored with God... As, as a lot of people do get bored from reading scripture or be bored in prayer or be bored just um, bored with this song, yawn. To be bored with God actually means you do not know him. There might be the habit of going to church and the habit of reading the word, but to literally be bored, bored with God, actually is a matter of your heart, not at all of God's. To be bored in prayer and not be able to, sometimes you just got to push through prayer because you're a bit tired. I get that, right? I'm not saying that. But just to be bored with a song, bored with worship, bored with Romy's preaching. <laughs> so, boredom with God. Think about this. What you're saying is there's 10,000 other things I'd rather be doing than with the one who created the 10,000 things. <laughs> like every blade of grass is different, has a different vascular system. Every leaf on a tree has a different vascular system. And they're just things that, you know, every season blow up and burn away and, you know, turn back to dust. Every human face is different. Every fingerprint is different. Every tooth, you know, they can take imprints of our teeth and tell who you were. Everything about you is so uniquely handcrafted by God, right? And then think about beautiful sunsets. I don't know that I've ever seen one the same as another. Ever. And so this one who can create so much beauty and so much uniqueness in all of the earth and create sounds and music, all of music comes from God. All of it. Sound itself is a speech-activated kingdom. He said, let there be light. Let there be light spoken. So all of sound, which is then all of music, comes from him, right? So anything that you can look at in this world that is beautiful, like a sunset I mentioned, or, you know, a bouncing baby child that you've just had a baby and you're like, can't get enough of just smelling the top of their head and kissing their fat little cheeks. The beauty in, in, in relationships that you can have, right? The, between a man and a woman, the mystery of, of marriage and the sexual union and how we even have baby, that beauty, beauty everywhere. So how can we be bored with that one? He created it all. 
and gave it all to us as a gift. He gave it to us. And we are the apple of his eye and the, the most precious thing within all of creation. The greatest thing, the greatest beautiful, most amazing thing is the human heart and the person, right? He gave us all of creation. The thing that we have to give him is our heart. So let's pray on that. Um, yeah, what I'm going to ask you to do is just bow your heads, actually. Just, um, you know in your heart right now anything that the Holy Spirit is just wanting you to yield over to him. Maybe it's an area that he wants to heal. Maybe it's an area that he wants you to let go of so that you can come a little bit unchained from. I'm just going to ask that he just, Holy Spirit, you're so welcome. Just go to work now, Holy Spirit. Really highlight and speak to hearts now. Uh, he already has been. We just invite more. We just invite them more. We just invite you more right now. Just into hearts and speak to hearts. I pray, God, that this would drop the yes, their yes, people's yes to you, the yes to devote to you, the yes to friendship with you. But Holy Spirit, highlight anything in a heart here now that is, has a withholding from you on, that has the brakes on you on. I, just, I do ask right now, really just highlight anything in the, in the very gentle way that you do, that people can become aware of it and let it go or, or get some healing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. As you just yield things off, he does come very gently and he does come and settle into your heart in a way that's real. He wants to make himself very known. So maybe there's some people here that are like, I actually need him to show himself. Like I've said, the emphanizo, show, make yourself manifest. So I'm actually asking right now, just pictures, give pictures, give words. Right now, give pictures, God, visions, dreams, words, words into hearts, gut knowing, and you can't be moved off the knowing. I do pray right now, the emphanizo part, that these people, God, that you would be showing pictures and visions, and, and, and maybe it's situations that, that you want to be taken into with them so that you can do some healing there and work there in their heart. I actually just felt like that. So if you did, you can keep your heads bowed. If you did have something that he showed you and he took you into a memory where there's pain attached or hurt attached, everyone else in the room is going to pray for you. But you just keep your heart in a place of real engagement with heaven right now. And everybody else, if that's not you, be praying for these people, praying in the spirit or just asking God in English to really be praying. And so God, right now, anybody that really did just get flashes of like small or even large pictures of memory with pain attached or shame, God, let them know that's because you want to heal that and remove it from their heart, remove it from their life. I pray right now, remove it, gone, amen, gone, in Jesus' name. It can be that quick, people. Sometimes it's a matter of you just allowing Jesus to uproot it out of your heart. And I saw in the spirit like that he was actually like cutting ties, like roots that had grown, cutting, cutting off roots. And so Jesus, I do just pray, Father, that you would seal that in people's hearts, and that they don't have to go back to their yesterday. They don't have to go back to the place of pain. There is forgiveness and there is healing and you are the forgiver and you are the healer and what you do is complete in us. You want a complete work in their heart and so I pray Lord Jesus for those people here now. Um, yeah, amen, amen, amen. So what I'll do is um, if, if, if any, that, that last thing that I prayed on, if there's anybody in the room here now does want some ministry for that, I am going to ask, um, over in this left-hand side corner, 
Come go, gather over here and I'll have some of our prayer ministers. We have a prayer team, if you know who you are. Um, only if you're on that prayer team. We've already been talking to you. <laughs> Come over to this side here and um, we're going to do some prayer ministry on anybody who might just want some ministry into that area. If there was just flashes of some old memories that you just want really sealed out, like taken out and sealed over. Um, you know the word cauterize, what the word cauterize is like? The word of God, the word, his word is like a sword that comes and cuts. But you know what? It cuts so gently and it cauterizes behind itself so that it's very clean and very whole, healed. What was once a wound and maybe festering, he can cut out and heal away so there's no more festering. So that's the ministry our prayer ministers are going to do just over in this corner. Okay. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.